Welcome to episode number 57, Burdens. I'm your host, Damon Soka. Today I'm going to discuss a topic that has pressed itself upon my mind. Maybe it's the pandemic, or so many people around me with so many burdens to bear. In any case, it feels timely. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is found in John chapter 5. We are introduced briefly, very briefly, to a man who has been carrying a burden for 38 years. He is waiting for a miracle. Although the miracle for which he is waiting is unlikely to come to him. He, like those around him, are superstitious about a certain pool of water that is said to contain, for the lack of a better term, magic healing waters. But the magic seems only to come when there's a movement of the water. And so he waits with a multitude of other people, all hoping for the same miracle. However, their faith is limited to one miracle, because you have to be the first in the water. And so each of them sits intently, watching the water, hoping that somehow the others will be late to see the movement, and they can get into the waters first. You see, the miracle only happens for one of them. But they all sit together, each with his or her own burden. They wait, day after day, hoping that their burden might be lifted. Over time, I'm sure they begin to understand each other's burdens, why each one of them have come to this place, hoping beyond hope that a miracle can be found even in a superstitious pool of water. This is likely their last resort, their last glimmer of light, of hope, They've tried everything else. Their own society rejects them as punished, somehow deserving of what they have because of sin. And whether that sin was their parents' misdeeds or their own, it doesn't matter to the people around them. Oftentimes they have been rejected by their own families. They are a burden too heavy for that family to bear. They carry heavy burdens, not just physical ones, but those of the heart and the mind. Now this water to which they give their hope into which they stare, gives them some peace of mind in their otherwise cruel world. The water is the answer to their burdens. That water can give them a life, meaning their life back again, a life where they are free from that burden that they carry or those burdens that they carry. Now, no one knows how this superstition came about, but it really doesn't matter to the hosts who sit waiting. The origin of the miracle is not in question. Yet day after day, they sit waiting for the moving of the waters. Strangely, without these waters, those burdens might be just too much to carry, and they might give up hope and give in to those burdens. But the water allows them to continue forward, to hope that they might eventually be free from the difficulties nature has brought upon them. And there he sits, a man of years, one who has carried his burden for a long time now. He has seen others, other people come and go at the pool, and he sits a ways off from the others upon a makeshift bed. He has to rely upon others for mercy, rather than being able to make a living for himself. He knows that it is unlikely to reach the water, he is unlikely to reach the water before the others, but at least in the water there is hope, and he might yet see another healed. Suddenly he is approached by a man. He doesn't really recognize him. He is a stranger. He has seen him before, but only at a distance. He's unmoved by the stranger from staring at the water until this stranger asks him a question. Wilt thou be made whole? 
It takes a moment for the words to register. Doesn't he understand why I sit here? Can't he see my legs shriveled and bent on my dirty bed? Why is he asking me this question? The man looks away from the water to the stranger. Maybe he could sit with me and help me to the water first before others get there. Perhaps he might even have some mercy nourishment. The man responds with with the only faith he has at the moment, and he knows. Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. Now the answer seems more like a question. Some of the others who have assembled waiting for these waters turn when they hear the voice talking. Unaware of who the person is, they see him now as one who might help this old man into the water before them. They inch closer to the water, showing that they are more willing that they are now more willing to be first before he can lift that man and get them to the water. But the stranger doesn't sit down. He simply grasps the man's hands and says, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. Suddenly, unexpectedly, feeling returns to legs that have not felt for a very long time. Strength returns, and the crippled man slowly stands upon his feet. He's stunned to be standing, walking, moving on his own. The stranger smiles, and then he moves off to another place and location. This man's good fortune is almost difficult for him to believe, and he takes up his bed and walks, not really knowing exactly what to do now. He had not expected to be healed today. He had not expected his burdens to be lifted. He had no expectation that today would be any different than the 38 years previous. Without knowing exactly where he is going, he leaves the pool of Bethesda. The crowd who had been waiting for the water had seen it all, at least the part where he was standing and walking away. They looked for the stranger who had now gotten lost from his sight from their sight in the crowds of people what had just happened this man who had been here longer than most had suddenly risen and walked away but how they were stunned he had not gotten into the water he hadn't been splashed by the water and yet somehow he was free yet they were still there hoping and waiting why was he chosen what made him different from them They carried burdens. Some of those burdens may have been more difficult than his. Why him? What was so special about this man? Why should my burdens be lifted as well as his? Am I not as worthy? Does not my illness deserve a miracle? What was once astonishment now turns a little more to frustration and almost anger. It was not that they disagreed with the healing of the man, but that they had not received even a portion of the same blessing. There was no explanation, no understanding, nothing. They had seen another receive, and yet nothing had changed for them. Now, I realized that I paraphrased, added some content, and perhaps context where it does not exist in the scriptures. But as I read those verses, it is difficult for me not to see those who were not healed that day, who, despite witnessing a miracle, were left in the same state and condition as before the miracle occurred. I am sure that a variety of conditions, assumptions, and concerns, and thoughts flowed through their mind. Their burdens had not changed. Their lives were exactly as they had been, except for witnessing a miracle. I try to put myself in their place, trying to understand what what they must have felt and experienced in that moment. I wouldn't have necessarily been ungrateful that someone else received a blessing 
and a healing, but I will certainly wonder why I continue to have my own burdens to bear. We all carry burdens in our lives. Some of those burdens are directly related to our own decisions. Portion are related to the actions of other individuals, and actually a vast majority are what we will, what I would refer to as the burdens of mortality. Issues, concerns, responsibilities pressed upon us by time, age, society, church, and so many other external forces, the majority of which are not within our control to manage. Yet, they are a burden to us. Pandemics, governments, governing forces, communities, unwritten and written rules of society, family issues, contention, loss of physical capabilities, loss of mental capabilities, and of course, loss of emotional capacity. Children gone astray, families leaving the safety of the fold, children returning, but slowly, all too slowly, leaders doing their best, but coming up short. I'm sure you can fill in many more. Our burdens often come in three ways. They come by force of nature, they come by our own actions, and they come by the actions of others. Burdens of the force of nature are what concern me today. Burdens by force of nature are those things we can't control. They are going to come upon us and force themselves into our lives, and we really don't have much of a choice in the matter. Disease, illness, death, accidents, weather, and so forth. These types of burdens are the why me types of problems and stress. They often seem random, uncontrolled, and unmanageable because of their suddenness and unexpected nature. Psychologically, they seem to come in waves rather than more evenly spaced in our lives. They also seem to appear when other stresses are already pressing upon our souls. They seem to add weight when we're already drowning. We dislike these types of burdens so much that we actually spend a great deal of time worrying about them. The worry does nothing for our preparation for them, and generally, when we do worry about these types of things, they end up being far less dramatic than we had anticipated. However, as we experience them and begin to catalog the events in our lives that end up in this area of stress and burdens that we carry, most of us seem to become wary and worrisome about the next occurrence of these things. The level of stress one experiences in this type of burden depends upon certainly your personality and your ability to manage stress. However, this, more than others, is a consistent problem for people with anxiety and depression. It is not so much the burden, but the lack of control of those things coming into their lives. The chemistry of the body is already prone to thinking in negative ways. And because of this, those who suffer often find possible events to attach to already existing feelings. Now, these disorders lend themselves to a negative feedback loop. The mind is drawn to negative outcomes, which increases stress in our lives, which in turn leads to increase in negative thoughts. Now, people who suffer are also often driven to think of the more extreme outcomes rather than the more likely ones, which there again often increases the stress level. It is easy to, it is, it is easy to say, well, you shouldn't just worry about things like that you can't control, yet it seems so difficult to accomplish. I think sometimes we really don't separate the things we worry about into controllable and uncontrollable categories. Sometimes I'm not sure how we come to worry about the things that we do. I'm sure that some of it's influenced by current events and our past history. 
experience does seem to be a fairly good predictor of what we tend to focus on in our lives. In the end, I don't think that we really concern ourselves with the idea that something is within my control or partly within my control or out of my control. Worry and concern, at least from a mental illness perspective, seems more chemistry-driven, although I'm sure that there are likely psychological components. We tend to go down any rabbit hole that presents itself, and if one does not, we find one. It's extremely difficult to separate our feelings from the tendency to worry or be concerned. Emotional attachment to people, physical objects, animals, plants, locations is very real, and protection of those things and places can be similar to protecting a loved one. In fact, the object, the person, the location can become something so valued that we place our own lives at jeopardy, even when it may not make sense to do so. When these types of controlling attachments intercede in our consciousness, we can become very motivated in somewhat extreme ways to protect what we love or what we feel that we love. And this protective behavior will elicit a barrage of worries and concerns that may often overshadow more important things in our lives. I'm going to admit to this behavior on a number of occasions, especially when dealing with episodes of bipolar. While I was not always attracted to physical objects as a source of comfort, I was to individuals, and my worry and concern for them seriously affected my worry and behavior constantly. I often had extreme homesickness beyond what would be considered normal, and I was concerned that harm would come to my parents or other loved ones. While I generally did not concern myself with objects, I was always worried about others and what even they thought of me. I worried all the time about even a variety of things. When I married, I worried about my wife and my children. My concern was always centered in death of some, port, of some sort. Again, those who have this worry and burden always jump to the worst case scenario. Now, because I am a planner by nature, and I think that this was and is my coping mechanism, I always made plans in case something happened, which, of course, nothing ever did. The problem surrounding this behavior is often health-related, both physically and mentally. In addition, these type of behaviors often create dependencies and concerns that affected my own relationships with others, often in negative ways, and even my spirituality. Much of what I worried about simply was not within my control, and trying to keep it within my control caused all types of concerns and issues. Over time, and with some help, I began to understand that patterns of worry and burdens that have no end or ability, to con or ability for me to control had no good purpose or value in my life. They were providing no benefits, and the consequences to my health and my relationships were often problematic. I knew that I had to find a way to let go of those things that were not within my control, both as a means to improve my life and, again, to improve my mental health. I can't say that that road was easy, flat, or even without some rocky stretches. The one great benefit that I did have, and that we all have, was that I was and continued to be a member of the Church of Jesus Christ, with the knowledge that I had a loving Savior and a Father who did watch over me and those things that were out of my control. However, this by itself was not the solution, but that knowledge is a start. I knew that I had to begin to trust that I had a Father in Heaven who was in the very details of my life and upon whom I could trust. The first thing I would say about my experience is that I didn't jump right to full trust. 
I don't think that is really possible. We need experiences with trust in the Lord so that we come to understand through our own knowledge that the Lord is there and that he does intervene even in the smallest details in our lives. The first of my efforts were not deliberate, but came about in what might be called more organically natured, perhaps inspired. I lived in the Salt Lake Valley and had access to nearby temples. I began to attend once a week. I can't say that I was always motivated to go, but I did go faithfully, missing only when emergencies arose. And I mean real emergencies. Temple attendance took some time to work in my life, in my physical and spiritual life. And I would say that I didn't fully feel its effects for a few years, but I did begin to understand better the workings of the Spirit more in my life and how the Lord communicated. Now, the next thing that happened to me, or I did, came about again more organically and by a conference talk. Elder Eyring discussed in a talk about keeping a book of the Lord's mercies in our lives or those things that you see the Lord doing in your life. I didn't keep a book. But I did ask the Lord to open my eyes to how he was working in my life. I wanted to know when he was intervening and when he was not, even in small ways. Now, this request did not take long to take effect. What I learned opened my eyes beyond what I had expected the Lord to be doing in my life. The easiest way to say what I learned during that process is to say that I learned very definitively that when we are trying to do the right things in our lives, there are no accidents, coincidences, random occurrence or random occurrences that the Lord does not deliberately control in our lives. And that includes both what we would consider bad and good. Random is not in the Lord's dictionary. Now, when we step outside of the Lord's protection, then we might be able to encounter some of those random experiences that weren't necessarily in his plan. But when we are simply trying, not necessarily succeeding in our efforts, he directs even the smallest details What this provided through my experiences was confidence, and I gained trust in the Lord and his purposes. Now, I still wasn't ready for him to give me the experiences that I needed in my life, but I trusted that he was definitely in my life. Now, this trust took some time to evolve, being able to put everything I worried about and everything else upon the altar of the Lord. I wasn't able to truthfully put everything on the altar at first. Now, I said I would, but when it came to actually putting things on the altar I often hesitated. Slowly, things would be added to my truthful list of things I could give over to him. Slowly, my list of sacred cows diminished, and I think I can say that I have placed everything on the altar, including such things as my health, my family, children, and anything in my life. Once you can truthfully put everything on the altar, you will find that somewhere along that line of trust and loyalty, that the worry and concern ease, and in most cases, that the worry concern ease, and in most cases, ebbs to a point that very few things in your uncontrolled world concern you. Don't get me wrong. I am not perfect here. If my wife is 30 minutes late, I'm calling her. But it's not so much now that I think she's dying in a car accident. Rather, it seems to be more motivated by love and concern than, than worry for myself and what I may or may not be losing. Now, I wish I could say that I had planned all of this out ahead of time. The temple attendance, increased spiritual attention, spiritual development, which led to asking to see the Lord's hand in my life, which eventually has led to me being able to place all the sacred cows on the altar of the Lord. I would say that the Lord in his mercy walked me through all those steps. I can't say that I don't have burdens, 
I can't say that most of my concerns about the uncontrollable issues in my life has dissipated to a point. I can say that most of the concerns about the uncontrollable issues in my life have dissipated to a point that I don't often worry about things out of my control. I do discuss those things with the Lord, but have been able to leave them in His hands. Now, this process for me was not fast-paced. Was not a fast-paced exercise, but took many years, and I would say is probably not quite finished. But I think I can see a distant finish line. I'm more at peace in my life, happier than I've ever been, and more grateful than I've ever been for the Lord and His tender mercies, even with my remaining physical and mental issues. Now, next week we are going to discuss the burdens by our own choices and actions of others. Now, until then. May the Lord bless you in your life to find some peace while this world is in commotion. Keep up the fight, and the Lord will do his part. We will talk to you next week.